Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship today. Welcome to Schweitzer. We're really glad you're here. Wherever you're at, we're really excited that you're with us to worship God today. I'm Jim. I serve as a pastor here, also our host for this experience. It's really good to be with you. Also, if you're a guest with us today, we have a gift for you. We'd love to send it right out to you. It's a Starbucks digital gift card. We'll send that right out. Check in with us at sumc.co slash hello. And thanks for doing that. Today, we're wrapping up a series that we've called Exponential as we've been exploring how God seeks to make a difference through all of us. And also, what are some of the pitfalls or barriers to that happening? Pastor Spencer's gonna lead us. God has a message for us all. It's gonna be awesome. Also, if you've been with us for a while, we invite you to go to sumc.co slash next for a more enriching experience, if you will. Take some next steps. We have sermon discussion questions and so much more. So feel free. And in fact, we invite you to do that. All right. And now let's uh, let's hear from Stephanie, who's going to keep us uh, updated, connected to what's going on here at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. We are so glad you're joining us today. Each week we continue to see more and more new people joining us both here in person and online. If you're here in person today, use your phone to scan the QR code on the pew in front of you. This will take you to our sumc.co slash next site where you can sign in or even sign up for events like our next all in event. Our next all in event is on May 11th at 6 p.m. And this is for folks who are interested in learning more about Schweitzer and how they can become more involved. And now I'm gonna hand off to Sheila and Nina to let you know what's happening here on campus in the next couple of weeks. Hi Schweitzer friends, it's Sheila, the Director of First Impressions here with Nina, our Children's Ministry Director. We have been so excited to see so many of you joining us for in-person worship recently. We want you to know that we're continuing to wear our masks and safely distance, but if you're ready to come back to worship, we are ready for you. We want you to know that we're gonna start opening all of our entrances so you can enter through entrance A by the sanctuary, entrance B by the children's wing, or the garden entrance any Sunday. Our folks will be here to greet you and welcome you back to church. We also want you to know that this is a big one. Our hospitality area is reopening. On May 2nd, you'll be able to come and get a cup of coffee from our friendly folks at the hospitality table, and you can get some of our snacks, including the famous donut holes. We welcome you to come back with us. There's no longer a need to check in at the door. You can simply scan the QR codes that you'll find on the signs at the entrances or in the pew racks. If you still would like some assistance checking in, you can ask any of our folks at the door. We'll also be glad to help you find your seat. We're always happy to help you. And now here's Nina to tell you more information about our children's ministry. Thanks, Sheila. We can't wait to welcome kids back on May 2nd to a full hour of programming. We will have three age groups, our nursery for our friends under three, a preschool group, and then an elementary group. In each hour, they'll have a worship experience, a message, and some small group time. You'll find entrance speed to be the most convenient way to come in and check your kids in here at our secure kids area. You can check your kids in using the Church Center app on your phone where you'll get a QR code to scan on the iPad. Then it'll print a name tag and a checkout slip for your child. You can also check in by typing in your phone number. After worship, just bring your printed slip back to pick up your kids, right where you dropped them off. We look forward to seeing you back on campus soon. 
Sheila and Nina. One more thing, the deadline to sign up for our Memorial Day weekend outdoor adventure and float trip is coming up on May the 9th. Whether or not you decide to spend the whole weekend with us camping or just joining us on Monday for canoeing, you will have a blast. You can find out more information and sign up at sumc.co slash adventure. Thanks, Stephanie, for keeping us connected. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to chat. There's a chat feature. Say hello to your friends and others. Give us your insights. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button and we have people available and, and would love to pray with you. And now let's, uh, on this day that God has given us, let's worship God. Let's enjoy and celebrate each other. Let's give ourselves to God as KJ leads us in worship.
Thanks, KJ, for leading us in worship. We appreciate you. And now as we come to this time of prayer together, we thank God for the gift of prayer, for conversation, for listening, hearing God's voice. And as we wrap up this series today, I invite us to pray together a prayer that is centered in uh, doing life with God, centered in making a difference in our lives and inviting God fully into our lives and being a priority our first priority in life. And so I invite you to uh, pray with me. Let's pray together. Holy God and kind, kind Father, we pray for your abiding presence with us and we are grateful for your faithfulness always. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of scripture and for your teaching that gives us life, real life, abundant life. Scripture, uh, your voice, God, that gives us courage and wisdom and humility and compassion and joy and mercy and so much more. Help us, Lord, to hear you, your voice, with understanding all that you have for us. Holy Spirit, come. We choose to join you in your working. We seek life with you. Come and fill us. Thank you that you are so generous and empowering and want to use us to make a difference in this world that you love so very much in the lives of others and do more than we can imagine. 
And Lord, help us to be faithful in the small things and what may seem ordinary and insignificant. And yet there you are working. Help us to be faithful in the small things. Lord, help us to be obedient, especially when life is hard. When circumstances are challenging and we feel it's more than we can bear. God, that you understand us, we are grateful. And help us to know that we can live faithfully, knowing and really believing that you have overcome everything. And we can live in that power too, in your power, in your presence. And Lord, help us not to fear and worry. Help us to pray first and pray always and pray. Holy God, help us to be content with what we have and be generous with others and to place you first in our lives. Help us, Lord, to be the people that can make an exponential difference for you. Use us, shape us. We love you, we praise you. And now we pray together the prayer you taught us long ago in saying we pray with boldness and confidence. These words, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now as we come to this time of offering, We thank God for God's generosity, God's giving and giving and giving in our lives and world. God is generosity and we respond to God with with our generosity as we reflect God's character. We thank you for your your giving. It makes such a difference in lives here uh, on this campus, here at Schweitzer, in our community and really around the world. And you're aware of Flourish. And today we're going to hear from Jill Finney who's the executive director, who is transforming lives through this ministry. Let's watch. Hi, I'm Jill, executive director of Flourish. I'm honored to share with you how this outreach ministry to our community is truly flourishing. This spring, we celebrated as seven students graduated from our Jobs for Life program and three graduated from the Life Change Plan. It's also been an active season for the Flourish Food Pantry at Schweitzer, as we have helped meet basic needs of families by providing food to more than 2,000 guests. In my short tenure, I've had the opportunity to meet and work with many passionate people here at Schweitzer and have witnessed some incredible work being done by Schweitzer interns Kennedy Bumgarner and Becca Meads, who are both completing degrees in social work. These two ladies have spent hours conducting research across Springfield, helping identify areas that could benefit from Flourish's ministries. They've examined income levels, demographics, and community assets, and interviewed residents in many different neighborhoods. Their extensive research led us to a West Springfield neighborhood, and last week the Flourish staff and board took a prayer walk and spent time talking with residents and leaders in that particular community about its needs. The more we learned, the more energized we became that this neighborhood could be the place God is leading Flourish to serve. 
We are also excited to announce that our staff is growing. Becca Meads, yes, the intern who helped with the amazing research, will join Flourish as the program director on June 1st. She has a passion for helping people and seeing how God transforms lives. Becca will play a key part in the implementation of new ministries and outreach opportunities going forward. It's incredible to be able to see the opportunities ahead of us at Flourish. Schweitzer is a key part of this. We really could not do what we're doing without your support. Thank you for supporting Flourish through your gifts of time, finances, and prayer. If you're interested in serving the many needs of our local community, we're always looking for people to serve as mentors as we help uplift the spiritual, relational, and financial components of people here in the city. A great way to stay connected with what we're doing is by signing up for our e-newsletter at flourishcdc.org or by following us on our social media channels. You can find us at Flourish CDC. Thank you again for standing with us as we invest and provide hope and healing to our community through Flourish. Thanks, Jill, for keeping us updated on Flourish. We're excited how God is changing lives all around us. Again, we are grateful. And now you can continue to give. We can all continue to give by going to sumc.co slash give. Thanks for doing that. And now Dennis is going to continue to lead us in worship. Fervent prayer 
Lord, send me any time and anywhere. Hear my fervent prayer, Lord, send me. Friends, welcome today. This is part three of three of our series we're on called um, Exponentials. We, as we explore how it is that God can use us in our life and live into the calling he has, because this is what that series is about. This series is built off something I just really believe, and I, I just believe deeply in my work, and, and, and as I think about our church, uh, what it is that we're trying to do together. And I just, I just have core conviction, deep belief, that God has a call for every single one of us, that he wants to use us in the world. He wants us to make disciples. He wants to use us to share the good news with others. He wants us to work change into people's lives, that he wants to use us for, for his purposes in all kinds of ways. And he wants to use all of us. Like every single one of us have, have a calling. Every single one of us have gifts, abilities. We've got opportunities to lead and influence and have a voice to share with the world. And he wants to use all of us. And I don't know about you, but I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes though, like I know that, but sometimes things get in the way. Sometimes I get distracted. Sometimes I'm afraid. Sometimes I put the wrong things first and, and I just, I, I don't end up living into what God wants for me. And that's really what this series is about. Like, what are the things that sometimes get in the way of us living into this, this difference making that God has for us? So we're spending three weeks. We're in Matthew chapter 13. We're reading one teaching that Jesus has and just going deep into this as we explore these some of these things that get in the way. This is a parable that Jesus teaches. This is Matthew 13. Let's get into this. Here's how it goes. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil is shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, choked the plants, and still other seed fell on good soil. It produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And we're going to skip forward a few verses and Jesus is going to explain this. So here's how he explains this parable. Verse 18, he says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. 
This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And I want you to pay attention to that last line, 160, 30 times what was sown. There is a kind of life that yields an exponential increase, an exponential difference into the world, 160, 30 times kind of impact into the world. That's why we're calling this series Exponential. It is spreading into the world far beyond us, far beyond just what God has done in our life, that it reaches into the world 160, 30 times. And if you're paying attention to what we just read, Jesus doesn't tell us how to live that life. He doesn't tell us what to do to be an exponential kind of person, 160, 30 time kind of person. Instead, he tells us what not to do. He talks about three things that will get in the way, three places that the seed, the word of God will, will fall that, that will get in the way of, of what it is that God wants to do in our life. And so that's what we've been looking at week one, two weeks ago. We started this and we talked about how some seed falls on the path where the birds come and eat it up. And Jesus talked about how what that seed is like is how, is how sometimes Satan will steal the, the work that God is doing in us because, as he told us, we don't understand it. And as we looked at this, we understand that in the Bible, understanding is not just what we know, it's what we do with what we know. So we talked about that principle of being faithful in the small things with the acts that are right in front of us. Will we be faithful in the small things that are right before us every single day? Last week, we talked about how sometimes this, the seed falls on the rocky soil where the seed will spring up quickly, but, but because it has no root, it gets scorched by the sun and it withers away and it falls away. And, 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 and this is really about how sometimes there's trouble in life. And so we ask this simple and yet difficult question of will you be obedient? Will you be faithful when life is hard? When there is opposition, when the, when the cost of being faithful is, is high, will you still choose to follow the Lord? And, and so today as we get into this, we're going to look at the third place the seed falls. Uh, we see this in, in verse 7 as Jesus says this, other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants withdrew up and choked the plants. And then we skip forward, we, we hear his explanation of this, and that's verse 22. It says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of, of, of wealth, the worries of this life, anxiety, stress, fear will will choke the word, making it unfruitful. Fear, fear will choke the word, making it unfruitful. Do you know what the most often repeated command in the Bible is? Do not be afraid. It's in the Bible something like 400 times. It's just over and over in, in the Bible. Let me just give you like a few examples of how you see this in the scripture. A few examples. So um, Exodus 14, Moses is leading the people of Israel out of slavery. They're on the banks of the Red Sea. The Egyptians are coming after them. Moses stands up and he gives one of the greatest speeches in all of history. And he says this in the middle of it. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. What a great line. And of course, the story goes on and the waters of the Red Sea part and the people cross on dry ground and they're rescued from, from their enemies, the Egyptians. Or I think about Joshua who receives the leadership after Moses, takes over after Moses and and as the Lord is calling Joshua, he gives us this long uh, speech. And, and in this speech, uh, the Lord says to Joshua about his leadership. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I, I just think what a great line for leaders. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. We think about what Jesus said. And the last supper with his disciples before he is crucified, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Like that's just three examples of 400 that are in the Bible. Like I could have just read just verse after verse after verse today as, as we see these, 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 these commands over and over and over again in the Bible to not be afraid. Of course, if we're going to talk about making a difference with our life, we have to talk about fear. Because how often does fear keep us from living into the call, the, the work that God has for us to do. It happens all the time. I mean, fear keeps us silent. Fear keeps us back in the, in the shadows. Fear keeps us from living into the call that God has for us all the time. Um, I think about, for instance, like, let's say you're with your friend and your friend doesn't believe and they're, they're telling you about things that are going on in their life. Maybe it's things at work that are hard or things with their kids, their, their, their marriage, things in their family that's, that's difficult. And, and maybe like you're listening to this, your friend, you care about him and, and, and you just, you think to yourself, you know, I should, I should offer to pray with him. He doesn't believe, but I, I should offer to pray with him. But then you have this other little voice that comes in. And you're like, mm, I don't know about that. He's going to think that's weird. You probably shouldn't do that. And so you don't offer this like word of faith, this word of encouragement through prayer. And instead you kind of back off and you, and you don't do that. And why, why do you do that? Because you're afraid. Or think about how in our church, we, we talk about using our gifts and our, 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 our talents, our abilities to serve one another in our church. And I think about our children's ministry, for instance, one of those places where we're seeking uh, people to serve as we're, as we're opening back up and have more and more opportunities for, for ministry and talk about making a difference. I mean, the next generation is one of the greatest places to make a difference. And, and I, I, you know, I think about those opportunities and, and maybe there's like a little nudge inside you that says, I, yeah, you should, you should inquire about that. You should look into that. Maybe you should volunteer. But then there's this other little voice that's like, I don't know about that. Like, what if you get asked a question you don't know the answer to? Or what if you're teaching a Bible story that you don't, you don't even know before because you don't know the Bible all that well? It's like this little voice of fear just starts working in the background and it keeps us from, from living into what God has for us. Like, how often do we miss what God has because we're afraid? It happens all the time. And listen, I just, you just need to know this. Like, fear is the fastest way that you will kill your faith. Fear is the fastest way that you'll kill your faith. And, and, and fear is like, a bed of thorns that will choke out the word of God in your life. And so if you're somebody who struggles with fear, which um, is everybody, by the way, everybody struggles with fear. There are so many places in the Bible that you can go. There's so many good places to, of teaching uh, that, that help us overcome this. One of my favorite places is Philippians chapter four. And so if you're somebody who struggles with fears, you should spend some, some time there. Philippians four, Paul teaches this. I think this is such good, wise teaching. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be afraid of all these little things that happen. But in every situation, all the things that make you afraid, he says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I, I lift that verse up because I think there's incredible wisdom there about fear. Like fear is not something that you're just never going to have anymore. Nor is the strategy to get rid of fear simply to say, don't be afraid anymore. You need to be really strong and courageous and not be afraid anymore. I'm, not, I'm gonna really work on my fear. That's not how you overcome fear. The way you overcome fear is that you learn to trust God. You learn to put your, your uh, life, your details of your life in, in God's hands and these places where you feel fear, you feel worry and anxiety. These are places to offer to the Lord, to give to Him in prayer. That's that's how we overcome fear is when we learn to trust in the goodness of God in our life. That's, that's, how, that, that's how that works. Um, and so as we, as we go through this, though, Jesus, when he talks about these, these thorns that will choke out the word, he's not just talking about um, fear in general, though. He's talking about fear a bit more specifically than that, because as he, 
as he's working through this, uh, there was a, a specific way he talked about this and some things he connected to it. So let's go back and read one more time um, how he talked about the, that bed of thorns where the seed will fall and choke out the word. So one more time, here's verse 22. He said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, that is the fear. Okay, there, there it is. And here it is, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. It's not just fear in general, but Jesus is also making a connection here with the deceitfulness of wealth. And just like fear, the Bible has a lot to say about wealth. Let me give you a few examples. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the firstfruits of all your crops. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I love that. Contentment is found in the faithfulness of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. This verse is misquoted all the time, but here's how it goes. It says, for the love of money is a root. Notice it's not the root, it's a root of all kinds of evil, not all evil, but all kinds of evil. That's how it's often misquoted. The love of money is a root for all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Of course they have because they chased after the wrong thing. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 10. We need to read more Ecclesiastes. I love Ecclesiastes. It says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And we all know this because how much is enough? Well, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, and then I'll have enough. Matthew 6, verse 19. Of course, you can talk about money. You have to read Matthew 6, what Jesus says about wealth. He says, do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either will you hate the one and love the other, or will you be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so you see over and over and over in the, in the Bible that there is this incredible, uh, incredible amount of time the Bible spends talking about money. The Bible talks about money a lot. In fact, one out of every 10 verses in the New Testament is about money. That's how often the Bible talks about money. In the Gospel of Luke, it's one out of every seven verses that the Bible talks about money. Like half, half of Jesus' parables are about money. The Bible talks about money a lot. And, and so sometimes people will be like, you know what, I don't want to go to church that talks about money. Okay, I get that. But what you're really saying is, I don't want to go to a church that reads the Bible. Because the Bible talks about money a lot. Because Money is a big deal to us. The Bible makes a big deal about money because money is a big deal to us. It's a big part of life. It's a big part of our life that we spend enormous amount of time and energy um, pursuing in our life. So of course the Bible has a lot to say about this. About this. And, and what happens though is that, is that sometimes our relationship with wealth, our relationship with money gets, like it gets off. And, and when, it gets, when it gets off, one of the things that happens is um, the worries of this life seem to increase. Like when you have a, a relationship with money that's not, that's not right, it's, it's off a little bit, it's too important in your life, your worry and your, and your fear and your anxiety seems to increase. I think this is why Jesus connects these two things to the thorns, that when your worries this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, and when these two things combine, like they work together to, to, to work against you in your life. They become like a bed of thorns that will choke out the work of God in your life. Let me show you this in action. Mark chapter 10 is a great example of this. In Mark chapter 10, there's this man who comes up to Jesus and he asks him a question. It's like a blunt question, but he asks him this question. Verse 17 of Mark 10, he says, 
what must I do to inherit eternal life? Blunt question. Like I'm a preacher, I've never been asked a question that blunt. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus' day, this question was a really common question that people would have asked to various rabbis. And so there were rabbis in the first century, like Jesus, who traveled around. They had disciples who followed them, and, and they would share their teaching with, with the world. Oftentimes their teaching was called a yoke. When Jesus talks about how his yoke is easy, he's talking about his teaching as a, as, a, as a rabbi. And this is what a common thing that happened in the first century. And so someone would come up to a rabbi, and they'd ask him this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And really what they're asking is, rabbi, what is it that your teaching is all about? Like, if I follow your teaching, how do I inherit eternal life? What is it that is at the core of what it is that you teach? And so someone would ask a rabbi this, and the rabbi would come back with some sort of detailed explanation of how they understand the Old Testament law. And then oftentimes at the other, at the other side of that, after they explained how they see the Old Testament law, they would invite that person to come follow them to be a disciple. Come follow me and be a disciple. Sounds a bit like Jesus sometimes because this is what happened in the first century. And so this man comes up to Jesus. He asks him this question and Jesus comes back to him with a, with a strange answer. So here's how Jesus answers that question. What is at the core of your teaching, Jesus? And so Jesus says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Now, if you know the Bible like just a little bit, you probably can recognize that what Jesus just quoted was, can you guess? The Ten Commandments. Yes, he's quoting from the Ten Commandments. He adds in this one about defrauding, which most people think is connected to uh, not bearing a false witness. It's, it's, about, it's about truthfulness. And if, and if you also know the Bible, just, you don't have to know it real well, or if you just counted, you would know that Jesus didn't just do all the Ten Commandments. So before you think to yourself, does Jesus not know the Ten Commandments? Was he just like trying to wing it and he got close, but not close enough? Like maybe if I was doing the Ten Commandments, no, no. Like Jesus knows what he's doing. He's setting himself up for this really incredible genius point that he's trying to make here because this, this answer that Jesus just gave this man is odd. It's not what he would have expected from a rabbi to say to him because he's not giving a detailed explanation of the Old Testament law. He's just quoting some of the Ten Commandments. Not all of them, but some of them. And so this man, he hears Jesus' strange answer. He's probably like confused a little bit. And so he says back to Jesus, probably very, very confused. He says, well, all these I've kept since I was a boy. It's like, check, do not murder. Check, do not commit adultery. Check, do not steal. Check, honor my father and mother. It's like, check, check, check. I've done all of, all of these things, Jesus. So what's going on here? But, but again, Jesus is setting him up for just an incredibly genius answer here. Because if you're paying attention to what Jesus just said to him, he listed some of the Ten Commandments, not all of them. And the ones he omitted were the first four. The first four are all about putting God first in life. Don't have idols. Uh, don't have other gods before me. Um, keeping the Sabbath or not using the Lord's name in vain, which is like honoring God, keeping the Sabbath, which is also about honoring the Lord. It's all about putting God first, honoring him with your life. That's what the first four commandments are about. And he also omitted the last commandment, which is about do not covet. Do not covet what other people have. Don't live with envy about what other people have and you don't have. Be content with what you have in your life, your possessions that you have. And this is just genius what Jesus gives here because Jesus gives him this, this, this answer of here are these 10 commandments. Here's some of them. I'm going to omit these other ones. Set you up here because you say I've checked all these boxes. And so Jesus comes back and he answers this guy with this, 
with this. He said, okay, so you've kept all these since you were a boy. Now he says, now, okay, go sell everything you have. Go sell everything you have. Give to the poor and then you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Like he omitted the first four commandments that were all about putting God first. He omitted the last commandment, which was about his possessions because Jesus was making this connection here because what this man was really missing was what's at the root of his life. What's, what's at the heart of who he is? What's, what's at the heart of what he's pursuing in life? What, what is it that's, that's deeply um, um, with, within him? Jesus is making this like genius Genius answer that, that what he's really missing is not just observance of some sort of Old Testament law, but, but what is it that actually drives you in life? And so he hears Jesus say this, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, then come follow me. And, um, and the Bible just wraps up the story and, and it says, well, at this, the, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Like a genius answer that Jesus gives because he's getting at the heart of what is it that drives this person. Now, let's be super clear here. Jesus isn't saying that if you're gonna be his follower, you need to liquidate all your investments. You need to empty out your bank account. You need to sell your car, sell your house and give everything away because Jesus had wealthy followers. People like Matthew, um, Nicodemus, Joseph Arimathea, uh, uh, Joanna. There's like wealthy followers that he has. That's not really what he's talking about. What he's really talking about is what is it that has first place in your life? What is the, what is the thing that you chase after? What is the thing that's really driving you? Because that's what Jesus always talks about. Jesus is always interested in what has a first place for you. What's, what's really driving you in your heart? And, and so as he gives this answer to this man, here's this man who, who lets the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of this life choke out the word of God in his life because there's a bunch of thorns that have, that have risen. And this is, this is what happens when we have the wrong thing first is the work of God that he wants to do within us. It's like thorns that come to, to choke that out so that you can no longer follow him and find him and live into what God has for you. It always comes down to what is it that's deeply true for you in your, in your heart? What is it that drives you? What is it that you're pursuing? What is it that you're chasing after? What, what is it that is at the core of your life that you are building everything else around? This is the question that Jesus has for this man. This is the question of what Jesus gives for us because if we're gonna be people who don't live into the deceitfulness of wealth or live into the, the worries of this life, we have to understand that he has to come first. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to be my disciple, what is the core of my teaching is that I have to come first. And that there's going to be all kinds of temptations in life to put anything else before him. All kinds of things that we can chase after, all kinds of things that we can pursue, all kinds of things that we can fill our life with. But all of those things will end up being thorns if he's not first. All of those things will end up being things that choke out what God wants to do within us and it will, it will shrink this in our life if, if, if he's not first. And so you're gonna have a temptation all the time to chase after all kinds of things. And so the question then comes down to, okay, are, are, is that a thorn bed that's growing in your life because he's not first? And so I, I just wonder for you, are, are there places in your life where there are worries, anxieties, fears, that seem to be growing more and more in your life? Things that, that seem to sideline you. Well, this is what Jesus is talking about. It's a thorn bed for you. Or are there things in your life that if you were honest with yourself, you know that you have given too much importance to? 
you've put too much stock into, you've chased after it too much, it's been too much a part of your life. And again, this is what you're chasing after. This is the thing that will choke out the word that God has for you, the work that he wants to do in you. And so this morning, I just wanna, I wanna offer you a word of encouragement that when you are found in Christ, when your life is in him and you follow him and you are his disciple, that he is greater than anything you're gonna chase after anywhere else. And while there's all these temptations to chase after other things, all of these things will fail you. They will become thorns in your life that choke out what God actually wants to do. Because what he wants to do in you is he wants to be first in your life. He wants you to chase after him, to pursue him, to live for him in every way that you can. And, and when you do that, your life is gonna be like good soil. The kind of soil that when there's a seed planted in it, it grows and it yields a crop that's 100, 60, 30 times what is sown, an exponential reach that goes so much further beyond you. This is what the Lord wants to do in you, in me, in all of us. And this happens when he comes first. Let's pray together. And so Father, today we um, do confess, first and foremost, that many of us are living with some thorns in our life, some things that we've chased after, some worries, anxieties, fears that we've allowed to, to rise up and it is choking out the work that you wanna do in our life. But in reality, what you wanna do is you wanna be first. You want us to, to live pursuing you with our life, with, with everything about us, with our thoughts, with our hearts, with our work, with our relationships, that, that everything might be centered around you. And so God, today I ask that you might forgive us for the ways that we allow these thorn beds to grow among us that choke out the work that you have for us. And for those of us who are living in this place, may today be a day that we find freedom as we confess to you and we, we realize and we turn to you that we might find the freedom that you have so we can have hearts and lives that are good soil where the reach of our life because of what you're doing stretches well beyond us and it makes a difference of 160, 30 times, an exponential increase into the world. Lord, we love you and we thank you that you are at work in us. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thanks everybody for being here today and especially thanks to the tech team who helped bring us this experience, to Stephanie who keeps us connected, KJ and Dennis for leading us in worship, Spencer for this awesome message, and who could use the encouragement that we heard today through Spencer through uh, God's word. Share it with them also, people in your lives. Share it on social media. We really appreciate that. And now, go and have a great week. God be with you, and we look forward to seeing you back here next week. We can't wait.